0: Welcome to another episode of Relationship Alive. This is your host, Neil Satin. Today is going to be a follow-up episode on some of the themes that we've been talking about lately. In particular, I want to go a little bit deeper around this question of how we overcome our judgments of others and deal with it when other people are judging us how we handle the, the pain that can surface when we're confronting our judgmental selves. And also, I want to talk a little bit about the process of grieving and share some of my own experience with you so you have a sense of what is normal, what to expect in a process like that. One of the things that's fueling today's episode is a question that I got. Actually, two questions that I got. Nope. Take that back. Three questions that I've gotten from listeners over the past several weeks. And uh, this might be a good time to remind you that if you have a question, the best question possible thing you could do is to not keep it to yourself instead to record yourself asking the question and email that to me uh, at questions at relationshipalive.com and then your question can be fuel for an episode just like this one As a reminder, I have a free guide for you to help you with the particular aspects of communication that come up in relationship, because there can be some challenging things to talk about, uh, particularly if you're trying to deal with being judgmental or being judged. And there are ways to do that more skillfully and there are ways to do that less skillfully so i put together a guide of my top three relationship communication tips and you can download it by visiting neilsatin.com slash relate or text the word relate to the number 33444 and follow the instructions And my full on communication course, the secrets of relationship communication, it's come out in beta a couple times. And um, I think we're getting ready to release a more finalized version of that. So if you're interested in the full course, definitely download the free guide and then stay tuned for when the full course becomes available. I've gotten some great feedback from the people in the beta group who have already gone through the course. As a reminder, uh, Relationship Alive is an offering for you. It's free so that you can hopefully have the best possible relationships. And if you're finding the show to be helpful, anything that you can contribute back to help support the show, I would be most grateful and I'm serious when I say that every little bit counts. So to choose something that feels right for you, just visit neilsatin.com slash support, or you can text the word support to the number 33444 and follow the instructions. And this week, I would like to thank Michelle, Joseph, Ruthana, Holly, Mara, Marie, Timothy, Karina, David, and Angie, thank you all so much for your generous and I think most of you ongoing contributions to Relationship Alive. Thanks for helping make us what we are here and for supporting the mission of healthy relationships. Also, if you're looking for a safe space to talk about relationship issues and hopefully with other people who are also listening to Relationship Alive, then come join the Relationship Alive community on facebook it's free and we have nearly four thousand people gathered there to talk about relationships and support each other so come on aboard i think that's it for now so let's dive in and we'll get started with the first question which was recorded and sent in to me
1: hi neil this is mo from providence and I just started listening to your podcast. I've listened to a few at the beginning and a few of the most recent ones. And I just had a follow up to the judgment episode, episode 216. A lot of what you talked about really resonated with me and it was helpful to ask myself those questions. One thing that I realized with myself is that I tend to in general, be not very judgmental and accept people for who they are and meet people where they're at. But when I'm in a relationship, the more I start to have feelings for my partner, or the more I start to feel like it gets to a point where vulnerability needs to be like increased, you know, I should trust them more, I find that I judge them more. And it's almost a defense mechanism to basically put my partner through the ringer to see if they can deal with all of my tiny little judgments about them and get to the other side and (laughs) it's no surprise that it hasn't really worked yet so I just wanted to let you know that that's kind of how it works for me and I'm in a budding relationship right now. And I'm hoping to be upfront with my partner about this tendency that I have and uh, see how it goes. Thank you.
0: First off Mo, thank you so much for being willing to be courageous and vulnerable and to, to send that question in and to own your, your pattern that you're seeing happening for you uh, in your relationships. As you may have heard me mention in the, I'm not sure which episodes you've listened to, but being aware, owning your stuff, taking responsibility for yourself in relationship is such a key aspect of being able to make progress, to change. And so your willingness to see yourself clearly in this way is such an important factor in terms of changing it for the better. And it's helpful that you see the potential for it to be destructive in your relationships and um and also um, to see that it's serving a purpose i'm going by your words here but you talk about uh, how this comes up when you are feeling vulnerable when you're feeling like the next step in a relationship might be to trust someone more And that rather than doing that, that tends to be when your judgments come up and when maybe you're pushing someone or testing them to see if they're going to stick around through the challenges. And generally, testing isn't the best way to discern whether or not someone is going to be there for you. Um, And you're finding this out. I think there are any number of reasons why that's true. And... Mainly, um, if we step back from it, it's because what you really want to be doing is building a healthy foundation for trust in your relationship. And so the testing um, helps you maybe unearth how someone responds under pressure, how they respond under stress, how they respond to your negative energy, maybe. Those are good things to know. Um, But what it's not doing is actually doing anything about the fundamental question that's at the heart of the judgments that you're talking about, which is the question of whether or not I can actually trust this person. And on some level, I want you to trust yourself in that it's possible that you are recognizing that you're feeling more vulnerable in a relationship, that it's it's time to maybe be more close, to open up a little bit more. And there's something in you that isn't so sure about whether or not this person is safe for you. That's a really smart question to be asking. And in the judgment episode that you talked about, that's part of being discerning. The The part of really ascertaining whether the person that you're that you're paired up with is capable of showing up in ways that that are worthy of your trust or respect Um, that's an important part of entering into a relationship with someone and deepening your relationship with them because it doesn't take much at the beginning to Follow that path of attraction and, um, and maybe seduction. And there's, uh, there's enough going on when a relationship begins that we can kind of gloss over some of the details about whether or not someone is trustworthy. Um, and of course, they may be giving us signs in the beginning. Um, but I'm not even sure that those signs are reliable because, Let's face it, when a relationship is starting, there's there there's a lot that's at play. Like it's not a very secure environment. So seeing how how someone responds when things aren't entirely secure, maybe when you are dating a bunch of other people or trying to figure out if you're going to be exclusive with each other, if that's part of your plan – those moments are fraught with uh, big questions and um, trying to ascertain whether or not the person that you're with is the right person to make that choice with. And it's inherently an insecure time. And we're not always at our best in insecure moments. If you find that the person you're with is doing a bang up job, then that is a good sign in and of itself. But when you're at this place where it's time to create more depth in your relationship, how do you feel that other person out for whether or not you're truly safe with them, truly safe being vulnerable? And as you've discovered, uh, being critical or judgmental and seeing how they respond isn't the best way. It's one way, not the best way. So... What do you do? First thing is for you to use some of those self-reflective questions to see if you can figure out what fears you're trying to address with how you are interacting with your potential partner. Um, What is it that you're getting at? What are you testing them for? What do you want to see... Uh what do you what are you trying to see if they're capable of showing up for in you? What are those particular fears? Are there ways that you have of feeling like maybe you're not good enough in a relationship or that you're not special enough, or um that you're not important enough, or that you're not lovable enough, or that in the end someone's just gonna leave you and you're gonna be alone? Like they're I'm naming a bunch of these core negative beliefs that can really impact us in how we show up in relationship. And so it's helpful if you're able to figure out what am I what question am I really trying to answer with this person? And sometimes that can involve confronting some deep inner pain that we have because on some level, those core negative beliefs that we hold, and most of us have at least a couple running around in there that we have to address at some point in our lives. It's just what happens by virtue of growing up in this world and those messages that we get at just the wrong time or just the right time um, that stick with us. Usually they happen when we're a lot younger, um, not always, but usually, and they stick with us and then can undermine our adult relationships so there's nothing wrong with you for having a core negative belief like that Um, it's a sign that you're normal and then the question becomes what you're going to do about it now expecting your partner to totally show up and make it all better is also a recipe for having problems in your relationship for Because at the end, making your partner responsible for your own well-being, or at least 100% responsible for it, is a good way for them to feel like they have to take care of you. And there are times that you want to be taken care of by your partner for sure, and times that you want to show up and take care of them. But you don't want that to be the fundamental dynamic that emerges in your relationship, how they caretake for you uh there's another word for that that's been the buzzword for oh i don't know the past 30 or almost 40 years now which is codependency i have mixed feelings about codependency we can talk about that maybe in another episode but in the end the goal for you is not to necessarily evoke caretaking as the as the fundamental value that defines your relationship On the other hand, if you're able to name what's going on with you and to show up for yourself to take care of yourself and to model what that looks like for your partner, then that can be really instructive for them so that actually the two of you can partner together in taking care of those places within you that need to be taken care of. So there's work to be done on your own, and then there's work that can be done with your partner. So I'm going to come back to the partner piece. Let's talk for a minute about the on your own piece. And I had a question from another listener, which was um, based on how I was talking in the judgment episode about how at the core of our judgments, um, you know, we're trying to protect ourselves where we're armoring up against things that either are hurting us or that we're afraid will hurt us that, that scratch at those core wounds. And once you figure that out, that can bring up a lot of pain that needs healing. So let's talk a little bit about that process. And uh, I didn't get the permission of that um, person who wrote in to use their name. So I'm not going to use their name. But um, that was essentially their question. What do you do when you're, if you're stuck in the pain part of the equation, at least That was what I understood from your question. I hope I got it right. If not, feel free to follow up. So let's say you've uncovered something like, like, uh, oh my goodness, at my core, I suspect that maybe I'm not important. That I'm not important enough for someone to make time for me. To make space for me, to prioritize me in their lives. And if you had a core belief like that, then that might explain a series of tests that you orchestrate for the other person to uh, get them to prove that they are, in fact, um, going to prioritize you or going to think that you're special or important. Um, or, you know, you might judge them. You might judge them to be someone who... Doesn't know how to to make you feel special, or can't prioritize you, or they're self centered, right? They're, um, or what's the you know everyone likes to loosely label other people narcissistic these days, right? And and I prefer being really careful about labels like that, um, as you might expect from listening to the judgment episode, which by the way I think well Mo mentioned it. I think it was episode two fifteen. So, uh yeah, what you want to do in this case is um, see if you can get related to the place in your life where that kind of belief might have emerged. And this is a place where it's great to get some support from a coach or a therapist or even just a good friend, someone who's able to listen and allow you to be in that space because with it will probably come a lot of the emotion that you felt at that time in your life and so you want to be able to stick with it and unearth when it was what was happening in your life and see if you can get related to the part of you probably a younger part of you who went through that experience and that part of you is probably still alive in you still living life with the question of whether or not they are important or special just as this one example or any number of core negative beliefs that we might be holding or fears that we might be afraid are going to be realized or ways that we've been hurt in the past, that we don't want to be hurt again in the present or in the future. So can you see that part of you? Can you identify what they look like, how old they are? What's the scene that they're stuck in? And can you show up in that scene and talk to that part of you, explain to that part of you what's going on? See if you can help them Make sense of what's going on in their world. Maybe they had a parent who was a little preoccupied and so not able to show up for them the way that a child ideally would have a parent show up, which is like with full love and open arms and always attentive. But, you know, our parents fail us. And, you know, I look at being a parent now now that I am one. And um, sadly, I fail my children, too. It just happens. And uh, so it's not to put blame on your parents, or your caregivers, um, but mainly to get clear on what was going on at that time to give you that experience of feeling like you, in this case, weren't special or weren't important. And so I recommend bringing the adult you right into that scene. Imagining yourself scooping up the younger version of you, holding that version of you in in your arms and whispering into their ear what they need to hear most in that moment, which is probably some version of, hey, I've got you the way that you're feeling right now makes total sense and i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna help get you out of this mess and the beauty is that our subconscious mind doesn't recognize time at least not in the same way that our conscious mind does and so you can in your imagination bring that part of you right into your present you can get them acquainted with the fact that you're actually an older person with a lot going well in your life. And you can kind of bring them up to speed on on what life is like for you here and now. And you can also show them how you're going to help them stay safe so that they are not um, subject to the kind of treatment that would lead them to feel like they're not special or important again. And in fact, you might even show them all the ways that they are special or that they are important, that you are there for you, for yourself. As weird as this all can sound, it is surprisingly effective. It's what a lot of the work that we've talked about here on the show is based on, the inner bonding work, uh, the conscious uncoupling work, the internal family systems work, it all comes down to how we show up for ourselves in a moment like this. And it takes some skill and practice to do that for it to not necessarily feel funny and and for you to really feel the impact of what it's like to show up for you in a moment like that. So that's one part of showing up for for the pain that gets unearthed and uh helping make helping yourself make sense of it and then helping you also arrive at the truth which is usually when you really look at all the evidence in your life that those core woundings those core negative beliefs aren't actually true that you are special you are unique you are important you're not alone right because Even if there were, for some reason, no one else around, you would still have you. And if you can show up for yourself, then you can feel a little less alone, even if you are feeling lonely. Those are also, I mean, just bringing that up, and this kind of might veer into what we're going to talk about in a moment which is grief but i personally also like to call upon um spirit the divine Um, it's part of who i am and i don't know what your personal beliefs are around that but those are great moments to um, see yourself the way god might see you and to hold yourself in that light with that care and love and cherishing it's a powerful experience so i want to come back to the question of what you do now um if you uh what mo should do instead of testing her partner and uh and i also want to talk a little bit about grief um and the experience of grieving, and, and how, we, how you get through that. But before we do, I just want to take a moment to talk about this week's sponsor, because they are also an important part of keeping relationship alive going, and they have a special deal for you. Now, if you've been listening to the show for any length of time, or if you've spent any time around me, you might know that it's important to me that i don't smell bad in fact i like to smell good but without overpowering other people with fragrance and without subjecting myself to harsh chemicals and that's where today's sponsor native deodorant comes in with fewer ingredients that are easy to pronounce and found in nature and with deodorant that is completely free of aluminum and other harsh chemicals. They offer free returns and exchanges in the US so there is no risk to try. And native deodorant comes in a wide variety of subtle enticing scents for men and women, along with an unscented variety and baking soda-free varieties if you have sensitivities. They've had more than 9,000 positive reviews, and if you've heard me talk about Native before, then you know that I have put them to the test using their unscented variety without having a shower, and I found that it not only works right away, but it actually keeps working to neutralize any odors throughout the day. And like I mentioned, they do have a special offer for you. For 20% off your first purchase, visit nativedeodorant.com and use the promo code ALIVE during checkout. That's 20% off your first purchase when you visit nativedeodorant.com and use the promo code ALIVE. Okay, Mo, so what do you do? Um, There are any number of options, of course, but what occurs to me in this moment is that once you've done some of that inner work, then you can go to your partner and you can tell them a little bit about your experience and what your fears are and what you're hoping for. And the process of going to them with this information and with maybe more direct questions about who they are and what they stand for and how they feel about you, you are actually going to find out a lot more about whether or not they are trustworthy than you would have in the other way. So imagine going to this person and saying something like, um, well, first, like, can I talk to you about something? So you want to get their permission, their buy-in to have a conversation And then maybe you tell them like, Hey, I've, I've had this pattern before in relationships where I test, um, where I test my partner. And what I've come to realize is that, uh, I've been carrying around this core wounding that, you know, on some level, I feel like I'm, like I'm not special or like I'm just going to end up alone. And not only have I realized that, but I've been doing some really profound inner work to to learn how to show up for myself because I don't want to put all that on you. I don't want to put all that on you. And at the same time, I want to tell you about this because it is important to me to be special to you and in your life. And... I'm wondering if you could tell me a little bit more about how you feel about me and how you even feel about my revealing this uh, deep fear that I have to you. I'm really curious to know what that's like for you, to hear that from me. And uh, then, Mo, you just kind of sit back and wait and see what they say. Now, some partners may need a little guidance in a situation like this, and so you shouldn't necessarily feel like you have to leave the other person hanging, waiting for the right answer to come from them. You can, you don't have to, you know, fall um, mute waiting for them to say the right thing. Um, But do give them some space to respond to you. Because that space, is what allows the other person to come forward and meet you. And that can be another challenge in a relationship where if you don't create space for the other person to meet you, then you never get to see whether they're truly capable of it or not, whether they want to or not. They might be capable, they might just not want to. And you want to learn that, I think. That's important information. That's part of the recipe for determining whether or not someone is trustworthy is seeing how they show up in a moment like this so from there i can't predict where it's going to go but that would be i think the crucial next step is to is to really own it for the other person and you might even say hey if you think that i'm doing this if you think that i'm judging you or if you think that i'm testing you then I really want you to bring that to my attention. And what I can promise you is that in a situation like that, I will look at myself honestly to see if it's true or not. And what I'm hoping you'll that you'll show up for is, is for my honesty. So if I say, wow, you're right, I was doing that, I'm so sorry, then... Hopefully, we'll be resilient, and you'll forgive me. And if I say, actually, no, I'm not testing you. Like this is this is truly important to me, or this is truly what's what's going on for me, or this is truly represents a concern that I have. Then hopefully, you'll show up for that, and because um, you don't want to be held hostage by the revelation that on occasion you might be testing someone or judging them instead of um, just being vulnerable. It's okay to hang out in that middle zone where you're sussing someone out. You're sussing them out to see if they are in fact trustworthy, and part of that is being direct with them about the things that you're afraid of and just seeing how they respond to that. You know, I I'm noticing that, you know, my last partner, um they left me for someone else. They cheated on me, and I'm it makes me really nervous about being in relationship you can say that and then see what they say see how they respond and then you get to determine whether or not it strikes you as being sincere and true and honest or if there's something else there that needs to be addressed okay so that's judgment and, uh, there's always more to talk to you about, uh, to talk about, about this stuff, but hopefully those things are helpful for you. And now I want to put a footnote on this to talk a little bit about grief because grief can come up when you're confronting, uh, early childhood things that are at the root of some of those core wounds that we were talking about, or maybe like me, you're grieving something right here and now in that's happened in your recent past. What is that process like? Um, I talked a little bit in uh, two episodes ago about how to heal from a breakup. And so I went into detail about how you create space for yourself and things you can and can't do and, um, and how it's really different for everyone. But when it comes right down to it, it's probably unavoidable that you will experience some pretty raw emotion. Because when we break up with someone or when we're going through a grieving process, like at the heart of that is loss. And at the heart of loss, and the pain that loss creates are those core fears around maybe abandonment or um, being alone, or it's it's a it's a similar cast of characters that can come up actually. And that leave us feeling really exposed and vulnerable. And it can be scary. It can be really scary. I can't remember if I mentioned this already on the show, but just to give you an example, when uh, when Chloe and I unmarried each other, which was the, the ritual that we created um, to divorce each other, after we did that, um, I more or less collapsed and i had about a full week where i could barely eat it was hard to get out of bed um i cried a lot and i i was fortunate in that i had the space to do that um i have my kids half time and it happened to be At the beginning of a week that I didn't have them. So I had a lot of space ahead of me to to dive into that dark well. And I also trusted that on the other side of that darkness, there was going to be light. For me, I've been through the grieving process before, um, both when my first marriage ended, which was really challenging, and also when other relationships uh, have ended. I mean, I've always been really passionately invested in the relationships that I've been in, even the ones that have been really problematic and challenging. And so I, I know that I've come through grief before and been okay. I had that as a foundation. And if you don't have that as a foundation, then maybe um, just hearing me say it will help you trust that on the other side of it, you'll be okay. Because the grieving process is is a way of purging. Um, it's a way of purging, challenging, scary, sad, fearful feelings that are, um, or angry feelings or any number of feelings that are a part of it, but they all are there inside of us and they want to be released. They want to bubble up to the surface. So allowing that to happen is one of the best things that you can do. If you're worried that you are not safe doing it, then it's helpful to take a moment at least and consider your support structures. You know, do you have a therapist who is there for you? Do you, do you have a hotline number you can call if things feel really dire and scary? Um, do you have friends who are willing to let you just, like, be there and cry on their couch or who will at least take your call no matter what time of day or night it is um, if they know that you are in need. So consider what support structures you need in order for you to feel safe diving into your grief. For me, I needed to know that there were friends I could call. Um, I needed to know that I had at least enough food in the fridge so that when i was hungry there was something there for me to eat and i needed some space and some darkness and to give myself permission to not do much of anything else for that period of time that was how i preferred to do it um for you it might be different you might not want to take a whole week to grieve and just to be clear, it's not like that week is the only grieving that I've done. Um, I will say that after that full week, I felt fairly empty of my terror, my fear, my sadness. And on the other side of that, there was a lot of opening and opportunity to see what life might look like without being in the situation that I was in with the loss really having confronted the loss and all that it meant all the the vast ways that i felt it changing me changing my present changing my future and changing uh what i felt in my past um you know the ways that in the past i had a certain idea about what the future was gonna look like and realizing that it wasn't going to look like that at all right those are all the things that i was confronting and that process was scary it was not pretty it didn't feel good it felt horrible felt really horrible and uh it's not probably it's not going to feel good now there were times when i could get just a little bit of perspective. So I would see the beauty of the pain uh, or I'd see the, um, I'd, I'd get a glimpse of the light and I'd know that I was going to be okay. And, uh, or I would see myself with tenderness and compassion and know that I was going to be okay because I knew that I was going to hold me. So as much as I did call on my friends, I also knew that I had me during that whole thing, that I wasn't going to let me go. The the me who at the time was 45 years old, he wasn't going to let the ship go down. He was going to stay there and keep one hand firmly on land while the rest cut set adrift. And... um And I had a lot of self dialogue. I had a lot of prayer prayer to my future self, prayer to my past, prayer to my gods and goddesses, prayer to my spirit guides, prayer to my dog, all of that. Um, It's okay. I mean, grieving is messy and grieving is uncomfortable. And just because I'm saying all these things doesn't mean it has to be that way for you. But I'm telling you all this just in the off chance that you maybe are experiencing a taste of that, or have experienced it, or maybe you will experience it. And I just want you to know that it's okay. It's it's to be expected. There's nothing wrong if it's hard. In fact, if it's hard, that probably means that you're actually doing the good work, that you're allowing... The challenging things that that live at your core, the things that are sometimes easier to deny or to dissociate from, you're allowing those things to come to the surface. And once they bubble up to the surface, um they can go. And you can uh a little at a time, or and sometimes a lot at a time, you can be free from those things. Whereas when they live inside you without being addressed in some way, that's when they really can have, continue to have an impact on you. And they become something that you then have to deal with later when you find yourself judging people or testing them or that sort of thing, right? Sometimes the those early childhood, the, the healing process around the early childhood parts of you does involve some grief, some grief for what, You experienced as a kid, or what you experienced earlier in your life. That's normal too. It's okay. It's okay. Because my firm view, and I've said this before, is that as long as you are alive, that the opportunity for something better, something richer, something more loving, more caring, more compassionate, more joyful, more fulfilling exists it exists for you and uh you know at some point we we'll, we will all be too old or something and and uh you know the grim reaper will will come and come for us um and i hope that you like me are signing up for living life to its fullest between now and then And for me, that really means taking advantage of every moment that I'm given, not taking it for granted, and not being afraid of the pain so that I can clear space for better times, better times now and better times ahead. And I try to remind myself of that when Another something challenging happens, or another round of grief bubbles up for me. Um, in fact, you know, just this past week, I've really felt the need to carve out some space for myself and have a lot of alone time, and um, I'm trusting it. I'm trusting it, because I also have seen what happens on the other side of that. I hope this has been helpful for you. For you judgers out there, for you um, when you're in pain, um, for you people testing others, and if you are grieving, for, for all of you, I hope that these words today have been helpful, uh, either in this moment or that they will be helpful for you or someone you care about in the future. So, wow, I thought this was going to be a quick episode. hasn't exactly been quick, but it has been really good to be here with you today. Just a reminder that we do take the last week of the month off, so I will not be with you next week. You can use that opportunity to catch up on an older episode that you haven't heard yet. And I will be back at the beginning of March, and we are going to be joined by Alexandra Solomon talking about her new book, Taking Sexy Back, which is all about uncovering our own healthy sexuality. What turns us on, what turns us off, and um, living into what turns us on in a glorious way. So it's a fun conversation with Alexandra Solomon. She's been on the show before. I love talking to her. I think you will enjoy it as well. We We also dip into some interesting topics like, for instance... Toxic monogamy. Yeah, stay tuned for the first week in March. And until then, just a reminder: if you have any questions, record yourself asking them and email them to me, questions at relationshipalive.com. And uh maybe I'll see you in the Facebook group, and I will definitely see you in a week or two. Alright, take care.